start. Okay, we're starting well. Right, we're going to start. Yeah, Lord God, um, I thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us this morning. I thank you for your presence among us here in this cinema. Uh, I thank you that you have not left us, that you still love to be with us. And uh, yeah, Lord God, I pray that this message for these people is what you need us to hear at this time. Um, I pray that it will fall on listening ears. And uh, I pray that you will, it will be your word speaking to your people this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. <coughs> so, um, as, Sean, as Sean said, the James and Lee are over at Waterloo. So, hi, Waterloo guys, if you're watching us on repeat or whatever. But I'm sure they'll be having a great time over there. Good job to the band. It was great to have Aaron leading worship for us today. Thanks, Aaron. Um, and... Uh, yeah, well done for making it out, and well done for tuning in online. Thank you so much. Um, we, his, I want to start with a quote that I read, and uh, listen closely. This is a quote from a famous atheist. He said this, Far from convincing me to be more like them, Christians continue to demonstrate how they want to be more like me. pretty convicted when I heard that quote, that as Christians, sometimes we can give off the impression that Christianity is just, it's something on the side, we want to kind of, we want to be in the world, but we've just kind of got Christianity on the side, and actually we sometimes maybe give off the impression that we'd like to be more like people of the world, rather than being an example, being leaders, of being people of the kingdom. Have a think about that while, we, uh, while I'm speaking. And so I want to want to tell you a little bit about me. I am one of my personality traits that I've recognised in myself is what I refer to as an inviter. I love to invite people to things. And sometimes maybe I shouldn't be not that I shouldn't be, but maybe we've got enough people, or maybe <clears throat> maybe the the event doesn't need that many people inviting, or maybe I've I, I've forgotten that of something else that I'm going to, and actually I can't invite that person to that thing anyway. But I have a tendency that I love to invite people to stuff. If, I, if I'm having a party, I like to invite everyone. And sometimes there's too many people, especially in COVID. I'm like, yeah, everyone come. But actually, oh no, you can only have five people in your house. So that's, just, that's something that I've, I've noticed in myself. I love inviting people to stuff. And as a kid, I had this tendency, and I loved inviting people to stuff, and I went to, I've been to church since I was very young. My parents took me to church, and I found it very easy, as, as when I was in school, to invite people to church. I would invite my, my, ch- my school friends, my street friends, anybody that wasn't in church, I would love to invite and say, hey, you should come to church because it's really great. And I only have good memories of church. I really loved being in church. There was, all my friends were there. Um, people knew who I was. There was no supervision when the tea and cookies came out, so I definitely enjoyed that. <laughs> and it always, always struck me <clears throat> sometimes when I'd invite people when they were, when they didn't want to come, when people were like were disinterested or just flat out refused. And I was, it really confused me. I was like, why, why would you not want to come to church? Church is great. I love it. You would love it too if you just came. And people have 
preconceived ideas if they didn't grow up in church, what church is like, and they think that it's not for them, and, and so they would, would not want to come. And that always really confused me. So I set about to fix this. I was like, how, how, can, how, can, I, how can I get my, my non-church friends into church? Which is, do you need to fix me, Jensen? Can you hear me? Is that better? Good job, we're friends. <laughs> um, so I said about how can how can it be better? How can I get my church friends to, to church? And I thought, do you know what? Church needs to be something somewhere where they want to be. So church needs. I think church needs to be more relevant to them. And that was my solution. That church needed to change. Which, uh, in hindsight, you might recognise is actually not a good idea. But that was what I decided at that time. 12-year-old Adam was like, yes, I think church needs to change. If it's going to be, it needs to be more relevant to my church friends, and then they'll want to come. <clears throat> and then I came across a quote, which I really like, by a Christian this time. And this says this. You might have heard it. What you win them with is what you win them to. And I thought that was very interesting. If we convince people to come to church and we say, hey, it's really great. There's songs that you like. There's free cookies. Other people are there who are nice. And it won't really, like, it won't convict you. It's, it's all very fluffy and it's, it's all very comfortable for you. And, uh, and you will enjoy it and, and you should come. And it will make you feel good. And it will be promises of that all your dreams will be fulfilled and you'll have, you'll, you'll have life to the full and people will just tell you the things that you want to hear and, uh, and that's why you should come to church. But actually, this quote says, what you win them with is what you win them to. So if you win people to, to church or to, to the kingdom, to Christ, with that mindset, then that is what their mindset of Christianity is going to be. And that is not all of it, really. Yes, we are called to have life to the full and life in abundance, but it's not a comfortable, you can have everything you want, Jesus is a genie kind of life. It's not that at all. We talked recently in the last couple of weeks about how Jesus defined success and popularity differently to us. And that is different to how the world, the world that we live in, defines success and popularity. Jesus was not how we would describe a successful person or a particularly popular person. But yet his impact on human history has been greater than anyone else's. So really, by me trying to convince my non-believing friends that church is relevant and that they'll like it, is not actually, I'm not doing my faith justice by convincing them that. If we try and convince some, them that church is something that they are familiar with, hang on, let me get my ear, uh, then far from... I've got it written down. It makes the church look like something that they are familiar with 
rather than what it should be, which is something radically different to what their life is like. And it makes us as Christians appear as followers rather than leaders. And not only that, but when I think of a church that tries hard to be relevant and to put on a good show, it, to me it feels like hard work. It feels like a lot of effort. I've, I love Lifehouse Church. We do a lot of things for Lifehouse Church, putting on... Uh, we run a life group. We've been involved in young adults. And just being part of the church is work. It is work, and we love doing it. It's great. But when the work... When the work becomes your worship, then we've got to check our priorities, right? Sometimes, trying too hard for church to be relevant, we've got our focus wrong. As James said last week, John chapter 6, verse 20, the work God requires of us is to believe in the one that he sent. Not to try hard, not to convince our friends. I have a I have some friends in England, and we have been friends, three, three of my friends, we've been friends since we started, um, in England we call it secondary school, so since we were 11 years old, we have been friends. And we're still friends, obviously I moved to Canada, but we stay in touch, whenever I go back to England I like to see them, and I make an effort, and throughout school and beyond, I invited them, as I said, I'm an invited, I invited them to many, many Christian events. And a lot of them they came to. They came to youth group, they came to church, they came to uh, camps in the summer, and it was great. We really loved having them, and I loved hanging out with them, and I still love hanging out with them. And their friends, a lot of friends were their Christian friends, and we just, they were very well known in, in church. But to this day, neither of them have decided to take that step of faith. And for a long time, that really frustrated me. And I was like, guys, come on. I've invited you to so many things. We've been friends for so long. Why, why do you not get this yet? And they, they love coming to church because Christians are great, right? And, but yeah, they, they, never, they never made that, that commitment for themselves. And I continue to pray for them. I continue to be hopeful that one day they will before it's too late. But I've also had to learn that it's not up to me to change their hearts. I have had to give that over to God. And I'm like, God, I've opened the door. I've invited them in. I've tried to be a good example. I like to think I've loved them well. But you have to do the rest. And sometimes we can get a little bit frustrated with myself. Perhaps you've been in a similar position that we're trying so hard to, to win these people for Jesus and we're very passionate about it. We're like, yes. God is so great. We want you to have what we have because it's amazing. But they don't get it because they just have them. They have, as maybe as Pharaoh in the Old Testament was described as having a hard heart. They, they just need to make that decision for themselves. We can't do that for them. It is up to God to do that. It's just up to us to invite them. So we don't have to try too hard. Open the door invite them in, but don't stress yourself out about trying too hard, about making it relevant, about wondering, like, oh, are they comfortable? Is this something that they want to do? Like, be aware of those things, but don't let it dominate your conversations and your events, because really it's up to God to change their hearts, and let's not try 
too hard. Particularly, I definitely had this mindset right at the beginning of the pandemic when we went online, and I was very much like, it needs to be great. We need to have, it needs to be flashy. We need to have good graphics. We need to have a great camera. Like, people are going to be watching online. If people are going to stay in the church, we need to make sure it's presented really well. And actually, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that we are diligently seeking God together. We are loving people well, and we are inviting them. We're opening the door. But it's up to God to change hearts. That's something that I've been learning recently. Let me read you a section from uh, Acts chapter 2. This is, uh, this is called The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I really like this because... It's not that they organized big events and they practiced preaching and they convinced their friends to come along. They diligently loved each other. They didn't mind what other people thought of them. They just did what they were called to do. There's five and a half verses of how they diligently did what was asked of them. And then the last little sentence is, and God added to their number daily those that were being saved. Um, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. So if this is maybe something that you have, that's been on your heart, that you've been struggling with, uh, like me in the past, let me read you this verse. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So that's step one of my two-step plan today. The step one is being relevant is irrelevant. It's not important. Just love people well, believe in God, and open the door, and let God do the rest. It's not about trying hard or looking good. And as James said last week, it is about relaxing in God. It's something that we've been talking about recently. Because you are completely acceptable to God as you are. You are because Jesus is enough and Jesus is the only thing that matters. My favorite verse of the week is John 3.30. I had to read it in several different translations just to make sure I got the impact right. John the Baptist says, as he is preparing the way of the Lord, he must increase and I must decrease. 
He must become greater, and I must become less. That is prayer for my prayer for myself. At the minute, this is, like I said, my, my verse of the week, John 3.30. And have you noticed how counter-cultural this verse is? He must become great, I must become less. Can you imagine saying that to someone? I want to become less. I want to become, le- I want to become smaller and lesser. I don't want the focus to be on me. We live in a culture where everything is about me. Everything is about you. Everything is about, hey, if you want this, you can have it. If you don't, and you can have it, not only that, you can have it now. If anything I can think of, I can either have it on my phone in seconds, I can have it at my door in less than an hour, and I, whatever I want. Yeah, sure, it's about you. Be, be the best person. Hey, if you want a pay rise, go and get a pay rise. You want a better job? Go and get a better job. You want something else? It's about you. Make it happen. But actually, it's not, it's not about you. We must decrease, and he must increase. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't listen to, it's all about you. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Culture often says to us, follow your heart. Have you heard that? Follow your heart. I don't know what that means. Follow your heart. Do you know what the Bible says about that? Jeremiah, uh, 20, Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things. So perhaps don't do that. Also, have you, this one as well. Have you heard this? Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Talia has a little watch. And if you're, sometimes I'm in the toy box and it kind of goes off and it goes, be true to yourself. I'm like, what does that mean? Matthew 16, 24 says, deny yourself. Sounds like the opposite to me. Don't be true to yourself. Deny yourself. Be true to Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I think I might call this preach, deny yourself. It doesn't make a great tagline, does it? It's not something that people particularly like to hear, right? Deny yourself. Can you imagine like a company putting that in an, in an advert? Hey, look at our product. Deny yourself. <laughs> Paco Rabanne, deny yourself. I wonder what that smells like. <laughs> Sometimes I find the Bible and worship songs can often be quite metaphorical. And I apologize for those of us, those of you that are not fluent in Christianese. Sometimes Christians say stuff that's kind of, what does that really mean? You know, like in songs where we say like, oh, fill my cup right up, or break every chain, or open the eyes of my heart. All great things to say, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, but what does that really mean? You know, sometimes we have to have a conversation to kind of understand what that means. What's the one that we this, these bones will cry. We like singing that one at home just because it's about bones. That's funny. 
It's a, it's a great lyric. I, I, love, I love the, the idea behind it, but the phrasing is for, for people that are perhaps new to being Christians, it could be a confusing phrase, right? These bones will sing. I don't feel like deny yourself is in that category. I think that's, it's quite, it's quite straightforward to deny. I looked up the definition of deny, which says, refuse to give something requested or desired. So when Jesus says to us, deny yourself, then we are to refuse to give ourselves something that perhaps we request or desire because there's something more important that we need. I spoke two weeks ago about our priorities, about what we should, uh, how we should organize perhaps for this new year, about priori- making our prioritizing well. And we mentioned Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. And we mentioned the first two, uh, the first two commandments in Deuteronomy 5, which could both be translated as put God first, have no other gods, do not make any other idols. Both of them could be equal, equally say, put God first. So when we deny ourselves, we are denying ourselves other things that perhaps we would like to put first. And we're saying, no, I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to do that second. It might be important. It might be not important, in which case you could not do it at all. Or it might be second priority, in which case you can do it after. But to deny ourselves would be to not give ourselves something requested or desired. And like I said, it's so countercultural, and maybe you haven't even heard this before, but that is what Jesus says to us, deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. So I, had, I was thinking about it. How, how, do we, kinda how can we go about that? When we, when we think about spending time with God, or if we're in the week and we're like, actually, yeah, I need to, I need to pray about that. Or I should spend some more time with, with God this week, or... I'm going to do it at this time. And it gets to that time, and you're like, hmm, maybe I'll, I'll, just, I'll just got to do this first. I'll just push this off later a little bit to, to check ourselves and notice what are those things? What are those excuses that we're giving ourselves of why we don't need to do that now? Or if someone says, hey, will you pray for me? And you can think to yourself, yeah, I, I would intend to pray for you. But then be like, actually, what, what, is, what are my excuses for not doing that right now? What are my excuses for not getting up 15 minutes earlier and spending some time with God? What are my excuses? What do I tell myself? I do this all the time, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I should read my Bible right now. I've got five minutes. And then I'm like, oh, let me just, let me just check my notifications first. Oh, someone said, oh, let me just re- respond to this message. Oh, they sent me a, a video. I'll just watch that real quick. And now, before I know it, like, oh, I've got to do something else, or a child needs my help, or someone's calling me, or I, there's a mess that needs tidying up. And before I know it, I was like, oh, I had five minutes to, to kind of invest in some, some God time right there, but it's disappeared. I feel like it goes, this uh, deny yourself, I feel like it goes quite nicely with 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. This is something else that has been struck me recently. <clears throat> Which, uh, which kind of says, to take every thought captive, right? 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if we find ourselves having, those, having a thought, maybe when you, you, this would all happen in your mind very quickly, right? You, you see someone or a situation and you think something and then, you're, and then like your subconscious just kind of pops in your mind and then all of a sudden you're like, actually, hang on a sec, that's, that's not what I believe. That is not what the Bible says. That is not what God thinks of me about this person, about me or about this person or about this situation. That thought that I just had is incompatible with what God says. The truth is this. Remind yourself of the truth. And over time, the more you do that, then that first thought, that will go away and the truth will become your default. That's what I understand as taking captive every thought. When we notice a thought in us that actually is not in line with what God says, to take it captive, to grab it out of your brain and go, hang on a sec, that. That is not correct. Replace it with the truth, and over time, that will become your default. And I feel like that goes hand in hand with the deny yourself, because that is where it comes from. And over time, once, once the truth becomes our default, then it will be easy to spend that time with God. When you've got those five minutes at 10 minutes, and you can go, hey, it's time to spend some time with God. Great. I'm straight into it. I've got my, I know, I know what I want to pray for. I'm, I'm ready to, to listen to God. I'm ready to be in his presence, and he can have my attention. I'm, not, I'm ready to not put these, these other things in front of him. So this is my challenge for us as God's people. This is your homework, if you want, this week, is to practice denying yourself. Deny yourself something. When you, when you find yourself having a thought, hey, I want to I pray. What is the thought that comes into your mind that says, you can do it later, or that's not important, or, but this is more important, to say, actually, hang on a sec, no, I'm going to deny myself, going to deny my, my flesh. That's how the Bible often responds to, often refers to our, our bodies, which take up so much of our thoughts, our flesh, which always wants comfort right? Our flesh wants comfort, and always just, hey, maybe I'll just watch another episode first, or no, I just, I want to do this first, and I want to do something more comfortable, because sometimes making the effort to stop what we're doing, and like, okay, well, I'm going to put my phone away, I'm going to get my Bible out, or I'm going to put some worship music on, I'm just going to sit in silence and try and listen to God. The thought of it, sometimes you're like, okay, but I'd rather do this, right? But let's take captive those thoughts. Let's deny our flesh the comfort that it wants. And let us prioritize going with God. Giving up something that you want to do in order to spend time with God. That is my challenge for you guys this week. One thing that um, we're going to be doing in our life group this year is uh, what I've called being our Okay, so once a month, we're not gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna be a different life group. Either we're either gonna do it together or we're just gonna do it individually, depending on uh, COVID restrictions or whatever is going on, or personal preference is fine. 
but we are going to intentionally spend one hour, we just one hour per one hour per month. Something small to start with, an hour all in one slot can sound like a lot, but it's gonna be time that would otherwise be life group time. Life group's usually two hours on a Tuesday. One Tuesday a month, half that time, one hour with God. This is a good place to start. I would encourage you, if you want to do that with us as well, you're more than welcome. You don't have to come every week to my life group, but if you want to join us for being hour, we're going to do it first Tuesday of the month, um, and we're going to practice that. We're going to practice putting off other distractions. We'll put our, For me, this is how I expect to do it. Put my phone down in the other room, make sure it's not going to go off. Make sure my kids are in bed, because they're often a distraction. I love them so much. Um, put on some, some, perhaps some worship music. Read, read something from the Bible to, to prepare my mind and my heart and, and really try and listen to God. And then we're going to do that together. Luki and I will do it together. The other wonderful people in my life group, I'm hoping will do it with us as well. And then through that, we'll be able to share, I'm sure, prophecies, encouragements, incredible things that God is saying to us. I have got full expectations that we're going to become closer to God. We're going to be closer to each other. I, from a personal perspective, the times that I have sacrificed time to be with God have been my most productive, my greatest encounters with God. It's great to pray while you're doing other stuff, while you're washing up or driving or you just jump into bed and you just say, thanks for the day, God. Those prayers are great and do those. It's good for the mindset. But when you intentionally deny yourself something else, something that you'd like to spend time doing, and when you choose to spend that time with God, those are the times where, from a personal experience, I can tell you, those are the times where you will meet him and you will hear from him. Romans 8, verse 6 says this, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And Jesus modeled this well for us. Jesus was an excellent example. It's good to, when, when we're talking about, hey, do these things, it's good to see how Jesus did it, because he's a great example. So, uh, Here's an example. This is from uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians 2, uh, 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. That is to say, he denied himself equality with God by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I do have one final quote for you as well. This is from one of my uh, favorite Christian celebrities. We're allowed to have Christian celebrities. People got different opinions on that. We can't live the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. We can't live the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. And Jesus set good examples of how to show excellent self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit, in denying himself 
what his flesh, what his body would want to, just to be comfortable, but not, um, but instead paying attention to what his spirit needs. So that is my challenge for you guys this week. Pay attention to what your spirit needs above what your body wants. To deny yourself, to take every thought captive, and to spend time with God. And I got one verse to finish off for you. Deuteronomy 4.29. From there, you will seek the Lord, and you will find him when you search for him with all your hearts and with all your soul. This is God's promise to us. If you do these things, you will find him when you seek with all your heart and with all your soul. So I hope that encourages you. I hope you feel uh, blessed this week. I hope you feel challenged to deny yourself something and that through that, you will find him when you seek him. Thank you.